I'm, I'm 70 pounds of chicken in. I got 30 more pounds. <laughs> hey there, college football fans. Welcome to episode six of Waiting Since Last Saturday. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Duvall. Today, Tony, Will, and I will give a quick post-game reaction to what we saw during the Dogs' opening 51-14 victory over Louisiana Monroe. And this episode was recorded via Skype, so bear with us on the sound quality a little bit. Will and I were at our homes, but after Saturday, Tony jetted off to some undisclosed location to begin preparing for the South Carolina tailgate in two weeks by cooking 100 pounds of chicken. Now that's dedication. And speaking of dedication, were you one of the diehard fans that hung around during the lightning delay? If so, you got to see one of the best catches of the day as Malcolm Mitchell hauled in a beautiful 28-yard touchdown pass from Grayson Lambert. And you might have also seen Tony trying to seek shelter with Ugga in his custom doghouse when the rains came shortly before the game was finally called off after the second lightning delay hit. And since you've dealt with enough delays this weekend, we'll go ahead and jump into our show. Hope you enjoy. Here's Will. Hello, welcome to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I am Will Leach. This is our post-game show. Tony is currently cooking chicken. Is that correct, Tony? That is correct. I'm on, uh, just about to put the last 30 pounds on for the South Carolina tailgate. So this one is about Georgia's 51-14 to 14 truncated defeat of Louisiana Monroe. I have to say I felt a little guilty. I was with my three-year-old at the game. Uh, I, I think it won't, I would never take him to the Alabama or South Carolina or even the Missouri game, but, you know, Louisiana Monroe and maybe Georgia Southern, he can go to those. But, of course, he gets antsy, so we left at halftime, which I felt a little guilty about until I realized, I, without realizing the game was going to be canceled <laughs> five minutes of game time into it. Have you guys been to a game before that's actually been, like, canceled before it was over? Yeah, hey, Will, that's the first time I've ever been to one. Uh, we had a couple of games in South Carolina back in the, I don't say the late 90s that were, um, I think it was, some people say they were lightning, uh, they were lightning delayed. I, I'd say that's God saying that football shouldn't be played in Columbia. But, <laughs> right. having said that, um, that is the first time I've ever been to a game where the game was, was canceled or, or called off. How about you, Scott? No, I've never seen that before. In fact, uh, I remember playing in a couple of high school games where it was basically lightning, you know, within a couple of miles, you could see, and we played on. But that was in the mid-90s, and I guess uh, safety, fan safety, and everything is more important these days, and I do think that's a good idea. In fact, if, you, if you'll allow me to, I looked up the SEC rule on lightning because I was interested in it. As you know, we, like Will said, we had a truncated game LSU I think ran eight plays and then they canceled their game and even Tennessee had a uh, lightning delay so it was just kind of the theme of yesterday and so I looked up the SEC policy regarding lightning delays and the interesting part about it was that in spring of 2014 they changed it to where it used to be a six mile radius now it's an eight mile radius so maybe that's the reason why that we we saw more games that were delayed because they increased that radius to eight miles. And the the last thing I wanted to say, and then I'll I'll yield to the two of you. I got a kick out of Chip Towers' lead on his uh, story, kind of recapping the game, where he said everybody got what they wanted Saturday. UGA got a stress free season opening victory. ULM got a one point two million dollar paycheck. And the dude that monitors the weather radar got to cut a lopsided game short because of lightning strikes nobody saw. And I thought that was kind of interesting and funny, the way Chip put that. What do you all think? Yeah, well, certainly the days of the last Boy Scout 
of a massive thunderstorm, <laughs> probably for the best uh, that that we ended up uh, in, in that regard. I live pretty short distance from the from the same, so I was able to walk home. So by the time I was home and settled in, they were stopping the game already. It was very confusing because I saw no rain. I was worried I had to like batten down the hatches of my home. It turns out I I think it's a generally fair thing. It's certainly bewildering when you're there to realize wow they're shutting down this game for and when that there appears to be clear skies but again when you have metal bleachers uh and and all these people playing together it seems to make sense uh to shut it down so i think it's a good policy and frankly if you saw ricked when he was when he kind of brought over yeah. the louisiana monroe coach at the end he kind of, after the second delay he kind of had a let's just lap this up like there's no reason to keep going with this and i think it'd be hard to see anyone disagree with him so we'll look at the game itself I think the major questions, I love the idea. I think no one was expecting this to be a particularly electric game. This was going to be a vanilla offense, particularly with the new quarterback from the beginning. But that said, you know, I, I find it kind of amazing that when you look at the first, I think it was the first 26 first downs, first down plays that the Georgia had, 22 were runs <laughs> and four were passes. There is vanilla, and then there is this. This was very, very vanilla. Well, if you look at what we did last year, through many of our games, it's exactly the same script. I and mean, we, we ran, I want to say, in the neighborhood of, what, 39 times. We threw 14 times. That falls right along about the 65-plus the percent that, that we did last year. And, but I think it brings up a good point. Even I think we only had real, really two pass plays where we were looking to go deep. Both of those were, were Lambert rolled out to his right. Both of those never materialized because I, I you know, I, I found the George Sports blog. I felt like he was a little too long going through reads. There was one of those at least where Mitchell was open deep and he just never really saw him. But, you know, I, I think something about this game that, that has struck me as reading it is, I've read some some national folks that haven't really accounted for the fact that essentially our offense only played three quarters. Right. Um, and uh, that's not going to matter today. It's really not going to matter unless we get down to fine hair distinctions and feel like, well, Georgia only put up 352 yards on UL Monroe. Well, yeah, they if you extrapolate that out, that, that <laughs> is, is, could be very different. Now, having said that, it was a good win. We were exactly as vanilla as I thought we would have been, and probably appropriately so. Our offensive line still has some work to do. I think defense was just shaky enough to get Pruitt mad, which is where he likes to be. I was, I personally don't think Marshall Morgan should do kickoffs again until Colin Barber starts putting balls in the end zone. And for that matter, you know, other than really two plays, I thought we really looked really good on defense and offense. We did exactly what we would like to do, which is impose our will on a team that we had every business imposing our will on. Was, was there anything to be learned that you get that even, from the new guys, so really the two the two unknowns we kind of had coming into this game were Lambert and Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer, I like I I feel like Schottenheimer is already where my heart is because twenty four of his uh, of his first twenty four plays, ten of them were just simply handing the ball to Chubb, <laughs> which is not yeah. really uh, I'm I'm okay with that. Did we learn anything about Lambert or Schottenheimer, or is that really going to wait? You, know, you look at Vanderbilt yesterday. They I mean, you know, on Thursday they were terrible. Uh, are we are we going to have to wait until that chicken of yours is done, Tony? to actually learn anything uh, about this team or those two guys? No, with, with, any, with any luck, we won't have to until Alabama comes to town. Yeah. Uh, I, although, again, I think the fact of the matter is, is that I think it says a lot about what I wanted to see out of Schottenheimer. He didn't get fancy. He didn't get antsy. He didn't feel like he had to prove himself by doing something funky. So I, I'm perfectly fine with the offensive game plan. They also blocked a couple of punts. I feel like that's something to get excited about. That feel, or, excuse me, the two kicks anyway. Uh, I feel like there's something... 
maybe in that. But yeah, I really have a hard time. You know, you guys have more experience uh, with these kind of games. We're going to get another one in a few weeks with, with Southern. And I think these kind of games... It, it seems hard to draw anything from them, even when we're like it's the first time we've seen them, and we're excited to see what Lambert's got, what Schottenheimer's going to do. It just feels like an NFL preseason game in a lot of ways. I think what I'll take away from it is the fact that Malcolm Mitchell really showed flashes of what he used to be. That back shoulder touchdown grab he made was just fantastic. It was almost like it seemed like it hung up in the air for you know five or six seconds, and then you saw him make the transition and the move, and you realized that he was going to grab that thing. For him to come down with that. And then Keith Marshall, yeah. you know, I think he would have broken 100 yards if we would have kept playing with two touchdowns and you could see the confidence coming back. I mean, we have three, if not three and a half, inclusive of Douglas, three legit guys that can that can tote the mail uh, for us, you know, with Chubb and then Sony Michelle and then Keith Marshall. So far, looks like he's back to his old form. <laughs> Interesting thing is, is his brother lit up Alcorn State for Georgia Tech on Thursday night with, I think, 184 yards. So um, that was a good a good weekend for the Marshall family. I think the other thing that I saw was uh, DeAndre Walker, true freshman. You know, I think a blocked punt like he got is really going to give him some confidence and a little bit more swagger because he, I think, Tony, you might want to correct me, but I think he was a four- or five-star recruit that we landed um, late in the signing period, and he's already paying dividends. Yeah, I was really impressed with that that punt. I, actually, I was I was overall impressed with our special teams playing. I, I think the first punt was it, it, it kind of got a limb cop special with the seventeen bounces rolling and it ended up being a fifty four yard kick that went exactly twenty six yards in the air. But you know everything else looked really good on our special teams, and and I'm really excited about watching us bring the house on punt block because it's something we've missed. Although we've had a few blocks here and there. Uh, but we talked about once in the first podcast, uh, Scott, about the you know kind of the boss Bailey Gunner type guy that can get in there and create havoc, even if you don't block a kick. If you're in their kitchen every time they're kicking, uh, they're thinking of rushing their punt. We got to hurry. We got to hurry. And that that yields dividends even if you never touch the ball. You know, I kind of feel like if there was a takeaway moment, it's when you brought up Marshall Scott. Like there was a real vibe of just really happy feeling. For Marshall yesterday, it was almost it was kind of nice. You wondered like he could have looked just average and fine, and people would have been so happy for him for what he's kind of gone through. But the fact that he looks so good, it almost feels like now it's not just this nice story that Marshall's finally be able to get back going, but he he feels like he could be a legitimate weapon down the line. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, and you know when you're coming back from an ACL, you got to get that confidence, you know, and that's what Gurley's going to try to get, I guess, when the Rams start play next week. You know, it was almost like he never left, you know, and I think that uh, soon he'll be breaking free and, you know, doing that arm wave that he used that used to kind of be his trademark of when he was running almost like he's swimming downfield. So, yeah, I think that Marshall is looking good so far and he'll get a lot more playing time next week, hopefully against Vanderbilt. You know, games like this, even when they get cut off early <laughs> like this, you still can get something at the end. Uh, I think I think I saw um, Seth Emerson wrote that there were 19 true freshmen that played in this game. Tony, did you notice anything from anyone there? Is there someone you were looking out for? Can you tell? Because it's a shame you almost these guys could have got another whole full uh, quarter of play if it, if it hadn't been for that. You know, that. That's certainly valuable down the line. Is there anyone that you saw new that jumped out at you, or you were excited that, uh, that there was a big play here or there? I thought this guy's going to get some more minutes coming up, or was it too hard to tell in this kind of conditions and that kind of situation? Well, I mean, I think I certainly was impressed with the play of Rico McGraw on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the offensive side, you know, Terry Godwin had a had a nice catch, and 
you know, I think the thing I take away from it, our participation chart was something like 36, 37, 19 of those are freshmen. I think we played a full game, but it's been another six or eight out there, uh, probably all freshmen, if not freshmen, some guys that legitimately, legitimately can help us down the, down the line, even rotating some of the younger offensive line guys out there. I think everybody's sentiment, and I think the right takeaway for anybody out of this is we did get exactly what we wanted, right? We got a resounding win against a mid-major opponent. We played well enough to not be freaked out. We didn't play so poorly where we had to like, pour over the, the message boards to figure out exactly what the real stuff is. But as importantly, we did mess up some places to give the coaches an opportunity to say, hey, this is what happened. It's really interesting to note that we came out of halftime and looked even worse, and then we had the lightning delay, and suddenly it's a whole different game. It's almost like the coaches had a chance to go go back into the, uh, the locker room. It's like, really, this is what we're going to do? Seriously? This is how this is how we lost South Carolina last year. This is how we lost Florida last year. If we if we're going to do this, you know, let's let's do it. So I was really happy with the way we looked after the first lightning delay. You know, overall, we're, we're talking about the quarterbacks. I, uh, you know, I'm fine with UGA quarterback, whether it's Ramsey or Lambert. They both looked really good. I was really impressed with Lambert's first touchdown throw to Blazevich. I mean, it was just a bullet right in between, in right in the seam where only he can catch the ball. He had a trailing linebacker right behind him. He threw it so the linebacker could make the ball away. It's just a great throw. Mitchell made him look good on the second touchdown uh, catch. And, you know, everything else was, I guess, the screen pass to Sony Michelle. Uh, am I getting this right? Was the longest pass play we had. You know, but that, and that, was, a, that was a nice little play. It's well executed. Uh, and Ramsey's other pass over the middle was just a bullet right in the scene. It was a great throw. So I'm, I'm overall, I, <laughs> I can't see a distinction, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, one of the weird things about a quarterback competition like the competition or whatever you want to call it like this, particularly in a game like this, is you start like, whoa, man, well, Ramsey's two throws looked great. Does that change? Like, like we're watching two individual throws in the end of the second quarter of a game against Louisiana Monroe and trying to take anything yeah. from them. And the same thought when Ramsey made that throw, I was like, that's a throw I have not seen Lambert make, but who cares? It's a game. It's one pass against Louisiana Monroe in the second quarter of a game. Yeah. And to look into it too much. Uh, I, I think it's hearsay. I'm curious about what you guys thought as long-time people going to the game. Was there anything new in the experience this year? I'm new to the UGA game. I like the idea that a dog has a like an audition uh, for uh, to, to be UGA. I kind of like that there's a lot of like, he seems to be doing well today. He's taking the nap during the lightning break. I kind of love the, the idea that there's a dog audition. But was there anything new in the presentation of the game or maybe this, do too much music over the loudspeakers? Just to, ha- having it be the first uh, game day of the year after many years for you guys, was there anything that jumped out at you? Yeah, I think um, Georgia just continues to impress. I mean, you know, you know me, I do. I kind of dabble in video and video editing, and I can really appreciate that. And Georgia, far and away, whomever is running their staff over there with the hype videos and the pregame stuff is is just fantastic. I mean, my kids, my my two boys especially, require me to be in our seats 15 minutes before kickoff because that's their favorite part, which I don't blame them because I love it too. The intro with Saturday in Athens, the, you know, you look forward to how they're going to tweak it, and they do just enough to make it just superb on every level. The very first non-band song to be played during the break was the whip and Nene song. And that also made my boys happy because they jumped up on the metal bleachers and started doing whatever dance it is you do that. I can't 
try to replicate. And then you look around the whole stadium and everybody's having a good time. And so that's what's, that's what's really important because for the younger generation, it's so much easier for even people like us to just say, you know what, it's HDTV. It's a hassle to get over there. But, you know, UGA does a fantastic job of keeping people entertained. They had Pastor Troy lead yeah, the, lead the Go Dogs, the Georgia Bulldogs at the beginning. Might need to work on that a little bit with the delay in the microphone. But, yeah, I mean, hats off to the, the UGA Athletic Department. They get it right every single time. I think I'm going to reserve without sounding too much like, get off my game big experience front lawn. <laughs> Just make sure Pastor Troy gets the Georgia Bulldog chair right, and I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have to say, Scott, I agree with you. I am a sucker for a good hype video. I wrote a piece for Sports on Earth about hype videos last year. About If you remember the hype videos that the, U- the U.S. men's soccer team did before their games oh, yeah. with yeah. like Kiefer Sutherland and like sneering at Ghana and, and Ronaldo. And does the, I love a great hype video, and Georgia does particularly good hype videos. I'm always very impressed by how, how good a job they do with those. And, I, and on a second note, uh, with the idea of the, of, the, of the nene and the whipping, may I say that the best thing that about the weather delays, you have to keep it safe in case there's a notion. The last thing anyone wants to do is die doing the nene on middle <laughs> no, that's, I, I mean, I, it's just a terrible way to go. It's an undignified way to go for, uh, for any person. And, and one thing I will add in there, I did really appreciate UG Athletics putting on uh, live games on the yeah. big screen during the lightning delay because we're sitting there, we're like, we're seriously, we, we know there's lightning delay, we heard it. They, they did switch over to first the Stanford-Northwestern game, and then I don't remember the other game they switched over to. You know, it didn't start raining until nearly the end of the line delay, actually, or like halfway through. So there were still, oh, a good thirty or 40,000 people milling about the stands um, until it started raining. So, you know, it, I, I thought that was pretty, it was pretty savvy on their part. Yeah, I like that. They do that for basketball, too. That's something that not a lot of other teams, professional and college, do, to be honest. It's something I've always been kind of impressed by about Georgia in general is they'll play. I thought maybe it was like an SEC initiative or something to support other SEC teams, but then they showed like a Notre Dame-Connecticut game in basketball last year. I'm always impressed that they, like during timeouts in basketball, they'll play, they'll play other games on there, which is, I have to yeah. tell you, as someone that's been to a ton of different stadiums, that's pretty rare. Yeah, they'll do live look-ins, which is awesome. Yeah, so, uh, all right, so I don't want to get too much into uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, we've got another show coming uh, that we'll be taping Tuesday uh, that, that everyone can talk about that. Was there anything, any other major takeaways? Only one SEC team lost over the weekend, and it was Vanderbilt, and it was ugly. Uh, was there anything that you guys took away? Were you impressed by anyone? Uh, Alabama kind of wiping out Wisconsin or uh, South Carolina doing whatever they did to North Carolina. Was there anything impressed you, or you thought you learned anything about any of the other teams? We'll start with uh, with you, uh, Scott. The thing that impressed me was how Alabama just plugs and plays. I mean, you know, the whole offseason, people are wondering whether it's going to be Coker or Bateman or or whomever else, you know, it really could, you could just put anybody. It seems like in, in that, and I think Lane Kiffin's done a good job of just kind of finding the next guy. And Tony was right in one of our past uh, podcast episodes when he said, do they still have Derrick Henry? Because that guy is a force, but yeah, Alabama is hands down was what impressed me with. They took what could have been, I think it was the only game of two ranked, two ranked teams playing each other. And it was kind of boring. And that's exactly what Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin and all of the Alabama fans wanted. And then what didn't impress me, and I sent, a t- sent out a tweet about this, oh, Bobby Petrino in Louisville, not only was the first play call 
of that game against Auburn, probably one of the worst play calls that, you know, ironically, Trey Matthews picked off their uniforms. As you know, I'm pretty fascinated by uniforms. The Angry Bird uniforms was one of the worst things that, I've seen. By the way. Angry Bird's trademark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that is trademark. What, what took me back even more was their old English lettering for the names. I couldn't read it. I have HDTV, and I have a pretty big screen. I couldn't read whose name was what. The only one I recognized was Josh Harvey Clemens because he had the hyphen, and I was like, oh, wait, that's Josh Harvey Clemens. And then the, the final bit about that, I thought Louisville had the worst uniforms, but then I saw Arizona State play, and uh, I think they have the, their worst uniforms uh, on Saturday, hands down. And speaking of Arizona State, dot, 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 yeah, Arizona State's just one of the examples. That wasn't the greatest day for the Pac-12. Stanford losing, Washington State losing to a CS opponent. Yeah, Portland State. Uh, yeah, which is, I think it's where Jake Lamble uh, coached at one time. Arizona State, you look, I, I picked them to beat Texas A&M. Yeah. What I wasn't expecting is, everybody said, look, Texas A&M has, they have a lot of talent on defense. And they apparently they do, because they just made that, uh, I can't say his last name, Bertolucci, Bertucci, yes. however you say his last name. Bercovici, Bercovici. Gary Bercovici. They were in his kitchen all night. Yeah. I mean, they just they harassed him every time he threw the ball. It felt like he was getting hit. Even if he wasn't getting hit, it felt like they had two guys covering whoever they were throwing to. And, you know, it's like Chavis bought their playbook. It was crazy. I, I want to be very careful not to have any first-week hot takes, but, man, Texas A&M looked like a really, really good football team. If there was one hot take thing that I, I was wary of doing, but if there's one takeaway, I was not impressed by Tennessee. I think that you know, you've know you heard so much from them. And listen, I, I'm a sucker for Dino Babers, former uh, Eastern Illinois coach. He's a coach at Bowling Green. He's a very great offensive mind, and he, he, he caused them, I think, more trouble than they were ready for. But you know, for all this talk of Tennessee being this team that, that I think that everyone feels like is ready to take this next big step, they struggled more with Bowling Green than you would like them to. But again, maybe that is a little bit too much early week. Like it's it's a it's one silly game that we will none of us will remember uh, in in a month and a half. And of course, the major takeaway of the of this weekend is the Cubit area era has begun in Champaign, <laughs> fifty two to three over over Kent State uh, in a game that uh, that actually had its own weather delays. I was thinking about this because we saw that LSU uh, they did not get to play against McNeese State, which is no big deal for LSU because they're gonna you know they're gonna make a bowl. If Illinois would have not would have had the, one of their one chances at a, at a win to get the six wins in a bowl game rained out, uh, that would have been the perfect way to. <laughs> they were calling it they were calling it, calling it Hurricane Beckman. Uh, in Champaign because it was his last revenge uh, over over Illinois. But they were able to get that game in and to get that in. So just so everybody knows, Illinois is still alive in the run for the uh, college football playoff Final Four. So uh, so keep your bets in. Anything else you guys want to wrap up from this game, or do you do you feel like this is we've exhausted the conversational possibilities of a Louisiana Monroe matchup? I think I'm just like go dogs. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna also say go dogs. But I would like to add one final postscript. We asked people to. Join our college football pick 'em. Yeah, how's everybody doing? I guess what I'll do is I'll give a shout out to Chili Dog. That's with the D A W G. Mm-hmm. He finished in first place with eighty nine points. Uh, no, interestingly enough, nobody had a perfect week. A lot of people went what twelve and one. I think there were thirteen games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chili Dog finished first this week. UGA Carey, whom oh, yeah. Tony and I both know, finished Very second. With, New York. Yeah, so she finished second with eighty eight points. And amongst the three of us, I came in 10th with 86 points, just three points behind the first place winner. Arizona State and Texas doomed me. Will, 
you finished tied for 38th with 82 points, so you were only seven points off the lead. My two boys tied for 50th with 81 points, and Tony brings up the rear, even though he said he had a matrix. I guess his matrix was uh, maybe the flux capacitor wasn't working very well, but he ended up tied for 88th. At 76 points. I have y'all right where I want you. Exactly. Small <laughs> sample size. This is a, it is a marathon, not a sprint. If you've not joined that yet, hey, come on in and join. Uh, the more the merrier. You can beat this, this mysterious UGA carry person that, uh, that uh, I see all over the social media that you guys know. Clearly, you can still get in and beat me. So Yes, exactly. Exactly. The flux capacitor's got problems. So we're going to tape our pregame, uh, our, our look before Vanderbilt on Tuesday night. That should be up, I guess, Thursday. Hopefully, I, whenever you listen to this, that's when it's up. But tell us what it's like in the future, you people, listeners uh, from the future. But otherwise, please subscribe to us uh, and give us a nice review if you feel so inclined on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there waiting since last saturday uh you can type it in there or you can and follow us on twitter at wsls podcast uh you'll see all the new shows there plus okay you can interact with us i tweeted from the house account my first wsls podcast a house account tweet from the georgia dome during during the riveting georgia state charlotte in which georgia state lost handily to a team playing its first fbs game never Good sign. Thanks for tuning in for our weekend show. Please bother us on Twitter if you think this sounds bad. This is a trial process. We're figuring this out. But hopefully you enjoy the show, and we will be back with you all next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to enter our Week 2 Pick'em Contest. You can find it on the front page of funofficepools.com. Just look for our podcast logo, or you can find the link from Tony on his website at georgiasports.blogspot.com. And tune in later this week as the three of us preview George's upcoming Saturday SEC opener with Vanderbilt in the Music City. Have a great Labor Day, and we'll see you on campus.